0: podcast. My goal with this series is to find people in this industry that are better than I am and find out what they know and learn how they got to where they are. Looking forward to giving you guys some great value. Let's get started. All right. Hello, everyone. Today, I have Ryan Snod, Rhymes with Odd, here on the podcast. Welcome. Uh, Ryan, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh,
1: what do you do? Sure. Sure. Um, I'm in two words. I'm a video marketer, so it, I do a lot of different stuff, but it really boils down to those those two words. Um, I do basically three main things. So I work full-time at a creative studio in Urbandale. I'm working in market strategy for large companies. So um, we do a lot of large-scale video production. We're one of the largest uh, studios in the state of Iowa. We work with large companies like Mid American Energy, um, you know, the Iowa State University for football and basketball commercials and stuff like that. Um, and I work directly with clients helping them put uh, strategy together for using their video to get results. So that's kind of what I do in my full-time job. I've been doing that for about three years, and I also own my own business outside of work. I'm a freelance videographer um, on the nights and weekends when I can squeeze it in. Uh, and so I've been owning and running my business, Snod Media Group, for the last, well, probably about five years or so. I started that in college, um, and I shoot a lot of just um, brand films for local businesses. So um, working with a variety of businesses doing that type of stuff, and then I also um, <laughs> run a YouTube channel and an online course called Solo Video Pro, which helps videographers start and grow their own business. So that's a lot of stuff. Can I ask how old are you? Yeah, I'm 25. So, been doing the freelance videos for five years, been working full time for three, and then I've been running the course and doing my YouTube channel and all that stuff for the last two years. Yeah. And what got you into all that? Yeah. So, um, Long story short, well, I guess we can we can go long yeah, story. we got, we got a long podcast. time. Yeah, so I started my interest in video. I'd like to say in college, I I used to make a bunch of like fun like skit comedy videos with my buddies when I was yeah. like in elementary school and middle school. Uh, kind of funny comedy videos, and in hindsight now, I'm like that was kind of my introduction to making videos, and I love doing that. But I didn't think it would ever make anything of it in my life. But I went to Simpson College uh, in Indianola, just south of Des Moines here, uh, for business and I was studying that, and then um, about sophomore year or so, um, I saw a bunch of people in the fitness space that were kind of popping off on YouTube, so if you're familiar with the space, it was like Christian Guzman, Max Tuning, um, some of these other people that were growing a massive online presence in the fitness space, and I was like, watching other content, I'm like, I want to do this, so I started a fitness YouTube channel, and it flopped really bad, so I shot a bunch of all my workouts, what I was eating, um, really into the weightlifting and fitness stuff, and... Uh, like I said, it all flopped for me, and I couldn't balance it with my social life, but that was kind of my introduction to video. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking for marketing internships and got a bunch of experience there, and a lot of people were like, well, if you're interested in video, just let's just do it. Let's just try and see how it, how it works. Right. And that's what kind of got me into video, so I started shooting freelance, um, doing things for nonprofits, people that had no budget. Um, and I went to Target, and I worked at Target at the time, mm-hmm. used my employee discount, and uh, bought a $350 camera. And in 12 months, I made like 10 grand with that camera. That's insane. And um, I always tell that to people because everyone's like, oh, what gear do you have? And it, it's a it's a huge investment to get videos. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not. So I took that super cheap camera, made $10,000 with it, bought all my current camera gear now, and basically launched my business doing that. So um, I started doing that in college. And like I said, continue have continued on doing that um, since then. So It's crazy
0: because you said you started your own fitness channel. And you did that for a year, right? And so... You, that was a failure essentially but what what got you through that and kept wanting you to pursue something similar to that when you know what lessons did you learn from that essentially?
1: Sure yeah I think there's a huge learning experience. It was a failure, but anything that you fail from you can learn from. so I really found that like what made me, why people weren't watching my videos were a combination of things. One, I wasn't ranking my videos in search. I wasn't recognizing that YouTube's the second largest search engine in the world. Right. I was just trying to make videos, assuming that I already had subscribers and people that liked my content. Yeah. Second was I was very vanilla and I was trying to be like everybody else, which you'll know with any content you have to stand out and be different or people won't watch or listen to what exactly. you have to say yeah. and you have to add value to your audience. So For me, I really liked educating people about fitness, supplements, um, nutrition. In college, that was a big thing, but nothing really made me stand out because I was trying to be like everybody else. So I learned a lot in that process, and then over the next couple years after college, I learned all of the actual backside algorithms to YouTube, and it just made so much more sense to me to restart again, but I had to completely rebrand myself and my value proposition and what I bring to the table um, as a personal brand for people. So
0: I believe that, and I think... Uh, Because there's room for tactics and things like SEO and like how do you um, title your YouTube videos. I'm sure the content was good, but at the same time, so many people have done it already now, especially with fitness videos. And now on Instagram too, it's kind of getting overpopulated, which is insane. Um, But the tactics uh, on that side of things, uh, did you learn anything specific that kind of helped you uh, propel yourself into this new phase of your life?
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like YouTube or just yeah, YouTube general- or social media, like LinkedIn. For sure. Example, sure. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of goes two pronged. So I realize that my YouTube channel has to be hundred percent focused on one niche. So I would recommend anybody that's trying to start a, a personal brand or any kind of brand is you have to know who you're talking to. Right. So for all my stuff on YouTube, I make it for 20 year old Ryan. That's kind of my persona, if you will. It's like, what stuff did I want to know about videography and how to start a business around this? when I was just starting out when I was 20. So that's really how I base all my stuff for my YouTube channel. Now it's completely different for my freelance business because I work with businesses. So what do brands want to know about marketing and how can I educate them with with my content? So I kind of break it up into two things. One with all my freelance stuff is trying to attract and inform and educate and inspire um, videographers and people that are trying to learn the business. And then the other side uh, for my freelance business is how do I attract in help um, marketers or business owners and how do I uh, teach them with my content or just show my videos to them.
0: Yeah, I'm super glad and grateful to to have you here because I'm 19, I turned 20 in two months Mm -hmm. and essentially we have a really similar background. I started my business in July of this year, or well, technically 2019. Uh, And so I've been learning a lot of things through trial and error and kind of just figuring things out on my own, which is great and all, but it's also good to have someone that's walked the path already and kind of... uh, Learned the lessons and went through all the trials and tribulations. When you're talking to big brands or uh, other companies or your clients, do you kind of go in as uh, the expert, or how do you approach a situation where, let's say, you
1: have an uh, invitation to meet with a client of that size? Sure, yeah, and I, it's kind of funny. At my full-time gig, we've sold projects that are hundreds of thousands of dollars, and now it's like it makes a lot of sense. It like to most people, it's like, oh my gosh, but if you understand the value that whatever it is you're providing brings to a client, it's a lot easier to talk about money in that way. So my biggest thing I always suggest to my course students and everybody else is um, diagnose, don't sell. Because a lot of people freeze when it comes to like money, when you're trying to like budget a video or talk to anybody about the ROI. So I always say diagnose, don't sell. And it's really kind of like the highest paid professions in the world. People come into a problem, they analyze the problem, and they suggest a solution. So a doctor, you go to the ER, you don't come in and say, oh, we, all I do is like mend bones, and like, oh, I have pneumonia. And it's like, <laughs> well, I just mend bones, so whatever. Like, right. you have to be solution-focused and problem-focused. So in terms of a video, it sometimes video is not the solution, and I'm, sometimes I'll turn clients away. Yeah. Um, other times it's not the type of video that they came in looking for, but you have to really assert that, that knowledge base and just be more of a, a consultant, really, for yeah. their business, not so much just a content creator because once you transcend that you don't have to talk about hourly rates how much you're going to charge it doesn't matter because you're going to get them the results they want and then they're paying for the result not the video
0: uh, that's, that's such a cool way to think about it and a really uh because i've listened to people on youtube and like there's so many people that kind of talk about this business and it's i think it's really fantastic to get that point of view here that we're not really here to just make a video and then leave we're here to try to help and give value to these, uh, these clients. And like, for example, uh, over the summer, I did one video for an MMA gym. And so it was the first kind of, uh, client that I got. So I did for free. Mm-hmm. And so I got six testimony videos. It came in for six days. Uh, I was editing overall. It took about 40 hours of my time. Sure. So I was also working my summer job as well as doing this on the side. I submitted it to them. They loved it. It was four minute video. It was really clean. and had some nice emotional beats. Um, and that was that. And then, so when I came back for winter break, uh, they asked me to do uh, Instagram stories with 15 second videos, and then uh, have it in the four five ratio, and then the nine uh, sixteen ratio, so you can put sure. it on Facebook as well and run those ads mm-hmm. against targeted audiences. And so I got um, a five video deal for them, and we talked about it too, because he's been a really great mentor as well as a business owner to you know a fresh face in the in the business. But we both agreed that you know no one really sat through that four minute video, even though it's a great video, people like 15 seconds like 10 seconds 5 seconds that's what they needed and so i came in there we talked about it and then you know I'm, I'm giving them videos they want and they need and it's it feels nice to kind of be that problem solver and to give them something that's you know valuable like it looks nice on camera but also to help their business as well sure yeah sure
1: yeah and i think you'll and you'll learn this too i mean like you said you're kind of at the at the beginning stages which is exciting it's yeah. really exciting but when you get to that point where when you ask the business owner, what what did this do for your business? And they say, Oh, it helped us get our name out there. I hate that phrase. <laughs> right. Like we got some really good impressions. I'm like, what does that really mean? Exactly. So in the future, like the more you do with that cl- type of client, it's like, okay, what are your goals with your marketing? And it's like, Oh, well, we want to get more members in our gym. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, are you going to run these on Facebook ads? Or like, are you going to put them on TV for like, what are you doing with yeah. it? And then once you figure out the kind of platform strategy, that's, I nerd out about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So it's like. Okay, if we know we're running pre-roll ads and you've got five seconds to hook them, and you don't have to pay for the ad if they watch past thirty sec, or if they watch past thirty seconds, you have to pay for the impression. So it's like, how do we hook somebody to watch, and then if they're not qualified, get them off the video and not interested before thirty sec. Like that stuff's what I love. So. Once you get to that point, that's when channel strategy starts getting exciting. Um, Facebook ads, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you're doing, that's that's exciting. How would you learn about this stuff? Because I never knew about the 30-second pre-roll ad. Oh, thing. sure. Yeah, yeah, just research. I, I mean, I went to college for business, but okay. I learned everything on the internet that I know about that's, marketing. Like That's me, too. I Like <laughs> I say I always graduated from – I got my paper diploma degree from Simpson, but I got my YouTube University degree, too, because I just went on YouTube and learned everything that I it's needed so to know. Funny. It's so funny because – here I am too. I'm
0: in the. I have a, I'm getting a marketing degree after spending a year trying to pursue neuroscience, which you know expanded my horizons, but it wasn't for me ultimately. Sure. sure. Uh, but there's there's so much information on YouTube now, especially like with the Adobe Premiere, After Effects, everything you know about a camera sure. and how to use it. You could sit down for 20 minutes and kind of figure it out, sure. or like spend an afternoon and just learn how to, you know, cut video and edit video instead of, well, you know, spending a few hundred thousand dollars on a degree, but you know, sure. did you
1: find a lot of value going
0: to college and pursuing business?
1: I did, yeah. So I was telling you off camera earlier, I, I had an interest in going into corporate marketing when I first started. And then as I learned more about the workplace environment and kind of where my head was, I was really interested in agency. So for people that aren't familiar, an agency is somebody that a large company will hire to come up with creative ideas and execute on the marketing campaigns and like bring new ideas, create videos, websites, landing pages, all that stuff. So As a as an employee in that type of environment, you're constantly getting new problems, new people coming in that want to solve different things. So for me, I love that because it's you know I'd I'd feel like I'd get a little bit bored in a corporate environment doing that. So
0: in a way, could you could you say like an agency is like a bigger version of being a
1: freelancer, or uh, what's the structure of that compared to you doing everything on your own? Sure. So like our company structure, there's about 16 of us full time, and we have everybody from animators to web designers to directors, producers, like people that create videos. So it's basically like a collection of freelancers that work cohesively and yeah. they have a process to get results for people. So is it said applied arts. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. So, and, and there's a lot of agencies in town that do full service, but kind of how we're different is that we do the actual production. So a lot of times agencies will hire out or get hired by a larger company to mm-hmm. do a commercial and they'll, they'll call us to actually shoot it because they can't do it in house. So we actually, we're kind of like a bunch of content creators that are under one roof. So
0: I saw some of the stuff on your website. Like you have this open, this massive studio, and you can adjust everything you need within that space so you don't really need to go out and shoot somewhere super far away because you can all do it in-house, which is super cool. Yeah. Uh, what do you shoot on
1: there? Yeah, we shoot on a Red Dragon. So it's like a $50,000 body-only camera. Right. So uh, it's this actual cinema camera. So it's, it's, it's a different level of client that we work with. It's very, like, high-end, boutique-like. These are going on national TV campaigns, and you know they're going to be running hundreds of thousands of dollars behind Facebook ads. Like it has to be crisp, it has to have a, a purpose. So, um, it's it's a different type of clientele. It's not your local business. It's not your you know um, anything. It's it's just really specific to large companies. So, getting there, you have shot stuff for free, right? For like clients as a freelancer, right? I have. Yep. And
0: so going from that to that type of scale, what's the 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 biggest difference between those those clients besides being like probably expectation. Like what's the biggest thing in expectation?
1: Sure. Yeah. I think, and like I mentioned earlier for smaller companies, smaller businesses, people that don't have budget, they're all they care about is the money. And, and I always um, encourage people that are freelancing or people that are to that point um, where you can turn business away is that if people ask you, what's your price? Don't like, if they can't answer other questions about why they want the video, all they care about is the money. Like you just run from them because they're not going to be good clients to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, the big difference between type, the types of clients that come to an agency or a studio compared to freelance clients are the large clients, they have bigger problems, there's more risk, and they are willing to put more money into something to make sure that they mitigate that risk right. and get the biggest re- result. So um, in some clients, it's not even about seeing a direct return on investment, like put a dollar in and get $2 out. It's more like we're going to spend this money regardless, like we want to get the most reach or we actually want those vanity metrics. So yeah. again, it's like, Critically understanding what a client wants, regardless if it's freelance or an agency, like understand what the client wants and figure out how video can get them those things.
0: Yeah, like for example, if I run uh, like a Facebook ad, it's really nice to see have all this analytics available to us to be like one thing I look at uh, look at a lot. It's like um, price per click, and so that's like a big metric that I, ha- I have for myself as you know uh, myself working on sure. this. So are those similar metrics to things that those companies would look at, or is it like kind of uh, bigger sets of data than that.
1: Sure, yeah, I think um, click through rate's huge. So it's CTR. There, I mean, there's a ton of abbreviations. You yeah. kind of get lost in the in the thick of it. But yeah, I, I always start with um, you kind of go through progression. So we optimize because I run a lot of ads for our clients. That's kind of a big role that I do at the company. So talking to clients, we have to walk them through like we optimize for each thing. So we'll beta test like three versions of the ad if it's a video ad. And which ones get the longest watch time? Which ones get the most clicks? Okay. Whatever that metric is, the KPI, the key performance indicator, we want narrowing on that and saying, okay, this one got four times the clicks. Let's go with this. And we put all the budget behind that. And okay, now we're going on the landing page, figuring out how we optimize for that to get the leads. Or if it's sales, like how do we optimize the design to get more purchases? Like there's a whole psychology that goes behind how it works. Um, and again, those are, aren't things they teach you in college. It's, you just have to learn it on, on the fly and how, how do you figure those things out? So yeah,
0: being an agency, so that I'm guessing other people that, you know, their strengths are your weaknesses and types of things where if you don't necessarily know the answer, you know, you can have people to fall back on to, uh, and help you out.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And with us being kind of diverse in our skill sets, we have obviously web designers, but they're not thinking about the market strategy. They're thinking like, how can I make this look cool? Right. Right. So we kind of balance each other out that way. Like there's the creative side and then there's also the strategic side. so that kind of helps work things out in terms of an agency environment. Yeah. Being a freelancer and working in an agency,
0: what do you think are the pros and cons of both?
1: Sure. Yeah. So obviously working in an agency, you work with bigger clients with bigger problems. Um, there's more things going on. Um, in terms of like a freelancer, one of the downsides a lot of people have is um, finding work. That's a big problem for a lot of people. Um, the biggest reason is that they don't have a big referral network that they do enough work with people that come back, people that refer them more business. Um, There's a lot of things we could talk about with that. That's the biggest thing. A lot of freelancers have is that feast or famine. You're either super busy or you're super like not doing anything. Right. So avoiding that is hard for a lot of freelancers. Um, The other thing is also just niching down. So the way you really blow up as a freelancer is being known for something. So um, I've lost plenty of jobs to people. Like I was, bidding out a project for a financial company here in Des Moines. And, um, I lost it to a client or to another freelancer that was from Colorado. And I'm like, why would, why? Like they're so far away. if to fly him in to shoot this. And they're like, well, he specializes in financial institution videos and that's, that's all he shoots. Small niche. Yeah. And, and his price was triple mine. And I'm like, I can get it done twice as fast for half the price. And they didn't care because they're like, we want to invest in somebody who does this and that specific, and that's going to get the quality we want. So there's a lot of ways you can look at it in terms of like price, the speed, uh, the quality, obviously. Um, but then also just the, the niche, like do people like working with you and that, that client experience. So, um, and it, it goes for anything with an agency, with a freelancer, like you're, no one's going to hire you again if the experience and the service sucks. So yeah, exactly. your product could be great. But if when you're on set, you're terrible to work with, you can't direct talent very well, you weren't very responsive to emails. Like people will not hire you again. Yeah, like so. even if the end video is stellar, if, if you're a nightmare on set and
0: a terrible, not not terrible person, but a terrible person to work with, then sure. no one's going to be, no one's going to want to be around you. Sure. And it's so interesting for me being around here at Drake University because I'm, I, one of the only people that kind of does this uh, as my thing. There's other people that that do this as their major and stuff like that, but as like a v- freelance videographer. There's probably a handful of people around here that does it. So I've kind of had a monopoly uh, on this market in terms of college students and things that they want and need. So I've been filming a lot of recitals, even though that's not necessarily what I was trying to do. I filmed one for a friend. It was an hour-long recital. I was like, I've never done this before. So I was like, I'll do it for $20. Oh, okay. And it was, you know, crazy low price. But I filmed it, brought my GoPro uh, borrowed my friend's camera. I got two angles, and she loved it. Her mom tipped me another $20, so sure. it's $40 for a few hours worth of work. Sure. Um, and th- so now I've got three recitals coming up now. Uh, i charging them a b- bit more because I have less time now. Sure. But I never thought I'd get into recitals, and I'm now I'm shooting um, recruitment videos for fraternities and sororities and the promotional videos yeah. for here. And so I'm still in the phase where I'm kind of just getting what I can get. Sure. Um, with your agency, then is that uh, – the main way you stay afloat float financially and then you do freelance uh, on the side.
1: Yeah. Much. Yeah. So um, I think that's a great point. Like the stuff you're talking about, that's how you, everybody starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always suggest like either do it for free or charge a minimum of 500 bucks. And I know that probably sounds like a lot yeah, right yeah. now, but um, if they can't pay 500 just do it for free for a quality piece. And then I would suggest people like do the free stuff that you want more of Yeah. because you're going to attract the stuff you do. So I kind of fell into that with my, Wedding videography is I don't market it hardly at all, mm-hmm. but I've shot so many that people know me that are recommending me and I'm getting more weddings by that. So I have like 20 weddings that I had th- for this summer and I kind of had to just like, okay, that's enough because it just yeah. it's not what I want more of. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have a huge portfolio of weddings and I'll keep attracting more of those, but really who I like to serve and the people that have better budgets and the people where I work well with are the businesses because right. I know all the marketing stuff that I can help them maximize the video. So um yeah I think that would be kind of the main thing is like finding where that where that fit is for you like find the niche that you like if you like those MMA gyms like focus on fitness but don't do it here cuz I like fitness so I right, probably, No you're good you're I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding um, that's fun so yeah like find a niche you like and then just build a portfolio on that and then like really go for it so for me i love working with fitness businesses like CrossFit gyms supplement companies um fitness influencers. I did a long stint with a couple here in Des Moines and helped them launch their YouTube channel and do a bunch of brand sponsorships and stuff. So finding what you like in the, in the niches that you want to focus on.
0: Back what you said about building your portfolio. One thing that I hear a lot at my age is that, oh, you know, if we can do this for free, it'll help build your portfolio. And I'm like, well, I know what's in my portfolio. I know what I need to add and what things I don't want to add. It's It's a little frustrating to hear that, but at the same time, you know, it is what it is sometimes where you hear that and you just got to be like, okay, uh, I don't necessarily want to do this project or, you know, it'll be this price for this certain thing. And so
1: do you hear that a lot still or? Yeah. If, if anybody, if anybody brings it up to me, Hey, we'll pay you an exposure. I never do it. Cause yeah. it's like the only time I'll ever do something for free is if I really think that that project's going to like catapult me to do more, right. or if I do that one thing, I really think I'm going to see a return from that. So If anybody ever, and this this is at my stage, but if you're just wanting to shoot whatever, like take whatever you can. But if other people bring it up and they seek you out to get you to shoot for free for them, it's never going to be worth it. Because they're not going to value your time and they're going to have 30 revisions they want. They're going to want way more from you than if they paid you for it. So once you start to get people that respect your time and your work... And they know that, oh, crap, if I have another round of revisions, they're, he's going to charge me for that. yeah They start to be very conscious of their time. They try and be efficient, and they make it so it's very seamless and kind of like very effective way to, to shoot and edit stuff. so I think I'm kind
0: of blessed and cursed in a way that I haven't had to deal with a nightmare client experience because, for sure. one, it's going to be a nightmare experience, but for two, I could learn a lot from that experience. Sure. Uh, and it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of uh, hear that from your perspective uh, with – those types of clients. Have you had dealt with something like a, a terrible situation with that before? Yeah. I've
1: yeah. had quite a few, not quite a few horror stories, but a couple that I just, it rubs me the wrong way, how they ended up. Um, there's always the notorious, like somebody that wants to shoot and they're really excited and they talk about it all the time, but they never actually pull the trigger. Yeah, I've yeah. had a couple clients that have just been like, yeah, we need to shoot. We need to shoot. And I've just stopped responding to emails. Cause they're just like, they'll talk the talk, but they won't walk the walk. Right. And they're they're wasting my time and their time by just constantly talking to me about it, but never scheduling anything, never putting a deposit down, never actually moving forward with an idea. Um, so there's that type of client, which I try to avoid, and you can kind of feel yeah. it out. Yeah, exactly. You can sniff these things out quite a bit. Um, and then the other one was just uh, a complete lapse of what they, their vision was. Like we mm. got to the edit room, and they're like, okay, we're going to 180 on you, and it's like, no, we can't right. change it. It's like we've already agreed on the script. We've agreed on where this is going, the intent, the audience, and now they wanted to change all of it, and it's like the video won't perform the way it's supposed to, and I can't guarantee the results that I told you I once I once could.
0: So right. It's like going in with like this solid plan and having a certain style, and you shot a certain style. Even the editing process, you can change a lot of things, but sometimes when you shoot a certain way, there's just nothing you can do to make it the way they want it and for it to be a good video. Sure. And so I've... I mean, I've had a couple of experiences with that. Nothing probably to that extent. I mean, everything I've done is kind of for my friends or things that, oh, I could just get my friends and shoot it again, so nothing too crazy, which is great at this stage of life, especially because, like, if I don't make a lot of money, I'm living in a residence hall, and so I don't need to worry about, you know, what food to eat or if I can pay my rent or stuff like that. It's just extra
1: cash, man. Yeah. (laughs) Put put it away, yeah. Um, Yeah, and, And for me, like, when I was shooting in college, I made quite a bit of money, like, sizable amount of money, and I didn't pay myself anything. I put it all in my savings. Like, I had a business account, yeah. still do. Just put it all in my business savings. And just recently, this year, I started actually paying myself um, a monthly payment. Like, really? I pay myself a monthly salary after five years of doing it. So, um, that's probably not what yeah. most people would do. Most people just cash it out. But I was just very, like, reinvesting the business, put money into Facebook ads. Like, buy more gear. Like, doing different things with that money. Because um, that's like you said, it was kind of... I still have a full time job, benefits, yeah. all that stuff. And this is just extra income. Mm-hmm. And for me, without going off on a tangent, um Very good. Go I'm, for it. I'm basically uh my fiance and I are paying off my student loan debt, which is like hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yeah, mine's and gonna get up there. Too. Yeah, yeah. And private college is not cheap. And for me, that was that's a huge way that we're doing that is that we can basically live on one of our incomes and allocate everything else from freelance videos and the stuff I'm doing online with affiliate marketing and course sales and all the other stuff that I'm doing and put it towards the debt. So that's really like a big driver and something I suggest anybody that's trying to right. start a business or really know your why. So for me, it's not even about shooting videos is like, cause I like doing it and I'm good at it, but that's not why I do it. It's to create extra income for myself so I can get out of debt faster. Right. So, and are you planning to start a family? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm getting married in two months. Um, we're, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we're, we're starting to get more serious about, you know, the family stuff and figuring out a timeline for that. So, um, for me, I you know like I said, I had over a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt, and um, it was looking at like 15 years to pay it off. And yeah. then we got a financial coach, got all this other stuff allocated, figured out, scheduled, and now we're planning on getting out in 15 months instead of 15 years. So that's that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. I know yeah. people
0: that are in their 50s and still paying off student oh, debt, yeah. which is you know as a kid I was like that's insane. But then being here now and seeing the actual numbers, it's it's scary that that's the reality of where yeah. we are now.
1: Yeah. So if you're if you're making extra money from doing this stuff, I just encourage you to save it if you can, mm-hmm. put it towards the loans while you're in college if you can. Um, just just continue to bank it up and don't do what I did and hold off for five years because mm-hmm. for whatever reason I was like afraid to put the money towards it. So
0: it's interesting. I when I first started, uh, in, uh, I think July, July, uh, I I saw a course on Instagram as probably a lot of people have, or like there's a bunch of courses online. And so the one I ended up enrolling in was, uh, it's called Full-Time Filmmaker. Very familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You've probably seen it around uh, and competed with ads and stuff like that. Uh, But the big thing that they said there was, you know, invest in yourself by getting knowledge about things. And so I've been keeping track of like all the gear that I bought so far. I was working a summer job. So I just used all that while I was living with my family to invest in like a new microphone I could use and a gimbal that I could use. Sure. And then, after that, it's been about eight, eight-ish months now, and I've been documenting all the invoices that I've sent out and the profits that i made, and I'm just about breaking even, which at eight months is kind of, is, is really fast in my opinion, because right. I think a lot of people my age think that, you know, things, no, not think, but expect things to come fast and easier than right. they actually will. And one thing that I keep telling myself is that I'm in it for the long run, uh, and that People tend to overestimate what they could do in a year, but underestimate what they could do in a decade. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's what's made it not stressful, really. I'm here, you know, we're at night, it's at nighttime. I've had five or six classes today. I kind of lost track. It's been a long day, but at the end of the day, I love doing this. And I'm willing to grind out and do what it takes to, my end goal is also to have no student debt and then have enough funds to start a family one day, which, you know, I think a lot of people do, but it's easy. To, it's easy to get into the mindset of just going to class to tr- get a degree, but then after that, you know, what then? You know, it's kind of
1: kind of a scary thought. Sure. Yeah, I, I just really encourage people to know the why behind it. Um, why you want to start a business, wh- like who you want to help. Why do you want to help them? Um, that's really the the big driving force for me to even start my YouTube channel and offer an online course and really go hard on that. Because that similar to what you're talking about, like. I'll get home at night and eat dinner and just go straight into editing or shooting a video for another three or four hours every single day. And to do that, obviously I'm at a point in my life where I don't have kids. I don't have a lot of responsibility um, outside of um, my full-time job and stuff, but um, knowing why you're doing it. Like if you're for me, it's I just know the reach of YouTube that I have. Like I've only been doing it aggressively for the last two years and I have like 4,000 subscribers on my channel, which isn't a lot, but I've ranked some very critical videos in search that are getting tens of thousands of views every month. Like I have a video about GoPro photography that has like 160,000 views. Yeah, so stuff like that, just really getting getting my personal brand out there, and it's scalable, right? So mm-hmm. you, you can only shoot so much before you've maxed out. Right. You've hit your, you your ceiling, right? So you can either shoot less videos for more money, or you have to shoot even more videos and you just run out of time, right. or you have to hire out a team and then build out kind of your own agency or production company, right? So that's the beauty of what I'm doing with with the internet is that I've I've leveraged a YouTube audience to generate income from that, but then also start selling my own products and I can scale that so I can run ads to it as my channel continues to grow. I can, you know, put the same amount of time in and get even more out. You just have to invest the time up front to build it and build the infrastructure. So that's been kind of like my, my product, so to speak. And I've done just a lot of research and reading on what, how that comes to happen, you know, because I, I could keep shooting freelance videos all the time and just, but once I start having a family and you have kids and there's no, there's no time to do that. And then I'm, then you're just, you just give it up. And I don't want that. I want it to be where I have a source of income and and an impact. I really want to just have impact on a greater scale. So that's why I productize my knowledge to try and share it with more people. So
0: yeah, in terms of time management as well, how do you allocate your energy throughout the day? Uh, is there, Do you go to the gym? Do you get enough hours of sleep? How do you
1: have enough, just motivation to go do all these things on top of what you're already doing? Sure, yeah, that's a great question. So I would say in terms of time management, like figure out what is the most like the top priority for you, and then trying to plan your things because people spend time on the most crazy things. Like I'm catching myself with this lately, like. I'll go down a TikTok rabbit hole oh, or, yep, yep. or you're on like Facebook for a while or just on YouTube and you lose track of time. Right. So for me, I'll get up in the morning. I go to work from nine to five. I'll get off of work and go straight to the gym for an hour and a half, come home, eat dinner, play with my dogs a little bit. And then between seven thirty and about nine o'clock, I'm like either shooting a video or editing a video. Then my fiance comes home at nine. I'll talk with her, hang out with her for like an hour. And then I usually go back to what I'm doing until about midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And I just do that every single day. So, um, that's not for everybody. Right. Some people do it different. Other people are morning people, but the big staples for me, my non, um, non, uh, what do you want to say? Like I won't give it up is the gym and the time with my fiance. Cause right. those things are super important to me. So my downtime I'm spending on my business. I'm spending on my YouTube channel with my core students. Um, Answering emails about freelance work, like it's all hustling through it. Um and it's not it's not perfect. I'm sure there's ways I could optimize, but then also I've started leveraging a lot of automation too. So in my websites, when people reach out to me, I have a lot of back and forth with email. I've automated that. So now there's a questionnaire they have to fill out and tell me specific things that I was gonna ask them anyway to kind of speed that up and having automation with emails and having, you know, reminders that come through so you're using your time as effectively as you can. So I was
0: gonna say because time is one of the biggest assets that you can't gained back after you lost it. Right. Uh, with your fiance, I'm currently in a relationship now. It's fairly fairly young. Sure. Um, but when you knew her at the beginning, before you got engaged, did she know that this was kind of the path you were trying to take? And how did you handle like you working all the time and stuff
1: like sure, that? Sure, yeah. So we've been together almost nine years. So wow, okay. Since I was like 16, she was 17. I met in high school. So um, we've been together most of our lives. Um, and she's just kind of known like my mindset behind it. And I would always say, too, if you have a spouse, if you're in college or you're adult, you an adult and you're out in the world, making sure they're on board with it. So before I started doing the YouTube stuff, I explained to her kind of what I just told to you about productizing my knowledge, the future of it. And she was super on board, super supportive, and she knew the time commitment it was going to take. And she was okay with that because she knew, if I put this time in now when we start having a family, I can have more time to devote to right. the kids and her and that type of stuff. So... Um, I would just say having, having like be on the same page with your spouse so they understand like why you're doing it. And for me, like, again, it comes back to the money, but it's the getting that accomplished is going to set our family up and it's for her and for our future children and stuff. So it's not even about me. It's not being, being selfish or workaholic. Like I'd much rather just get home from work and watch Netflix for six hours, like most people, but I just have this itch. Like if I'm sitting doing nothing, like I could be making a video that could help thousands of people, or I could be shooting a video that changes how a business operates and gets more c- customers and stuff like that. That fires me up, and um, I guess you can call it a workaholic. You can call it whatever you want, but that's just kind of like my my framework. No, so. I, I
0: completely understand that. And One thing that completely opened my, up opened up my eyes to where I am currently right now is hearing that you know no, there's nothing guaranteed after college, and so even with this fancy degree there's a chance that people don't want to hire you. And if you don't get hired after college, after spending literally $100,000, what are you going to do? How are you going to buy a house? How are you going to start a family? How are you going to do any of these things that require some financial investment when you have this giant block of weight on your shoulders? Right. And so I'm in this field now kind of, because I discovered that I love doing this and I'm pretty good at doing it. Sure. But also there's this fear that, you know, if I go into the real world and no one wants to hire me, I'll at least have enough, Uh, of a niche in the market, hopefully for myself that I can do my own thing and support myself if no one else uh, picks me,
1: I guess. Sure. Yeah. And I think learning the skill of how to shoot and edit video will take you so far. Like even if you're in journalism or you work for a cement company, like knowing how to do that, you can just be an in-house person for anybody and make a really good living doing that. I've already been headhunting by like five or six companies that are like, Hey, Come start our video production within our company, and I'm like, no, I'm just not interested in that. Because right. if I shot during the day and shot at night, I would lose the love that I have for it. Like I have, I understand. It's kind of like I'm working all different angles of it throughout the day, so I like the whole industry, like video marketing in general. But if I was just shooting for 12 hours a day, I don't think I would enjoy it as much. So knowing having that skill set super good for you, just for somebody going into the marketplace, like you will always have somewhere you could work, whether it's an agency, a company. Um, for, you know, a personal brand like Gary Vee or some Billy Jean marketing, stuff like that. Like yeah. they have a whole team of content creators. Like there's so many different opportunities for you to do that. So
0: I agree. I think, cause
1: I just got my internship
0: at my school for a videographer position. And it's interesting cause I've just been doing this on my own for a little while. And they were like, Hey, we like what you do. And it was an interview se- session, but essentially I went in and, and like, I knew I was getting the job, which sure. is always a fun thing to experience. And I, I know that A lot of people, I think, because we have a journalism school here, and so the way that they do videography is different from the way that freelancers do videography. Like, they'll set up a tripod, get static B-roll, and, you know, different purposes for different, uh, uh, different mediums. But this skill that is growing in popularity, that's been growing for a little while, it's Super valuable,
1: especially learning how to use a gimbal. Because
0: what what kind of gimbal do you use?
1: Yeah, so I use a Evo Rage, but I use all sunny mirrorless, so it's lightweight. Mm-hmm. Most of those gimbals can't handle like a heavier Canon camera or a GH five or something. So that's
0: interesting. I haven't yeah. heard of that one. Is it uh, uh electronic or is it? Yeah, it's
1: it's electronic, um, three axis, and I can I shoot when I have to shoot weddings. The thing I always brag about is it can last sixteen hours without being charged. So. Mm-hmm. I can literally just leave it on all day during the wedding and sit it down, and it doesn't die. Oh, it doesn't. So it's it's kind of nice, but yeah, and I, I worked out a deal with them too. So I I promote their stuff on my YouTube channel and stuff because I love their products. Yeah. and no one talks about them. Everyone's yeah, like, I haven't heard about it. Everyone's <laughs> like the Ronin S, and it's like that's not for every. Like it's so for different applications it's too big and bulky and everyone just just the standard that all these videographers use so
0: but like where can i find one of these like is it's it...
1: i think it's evo.com i can give you a link yeah. um i think they give me a, like a discount like 15 percent off or something so because i use it for myself and then if people want to buy through it i'm like use my link because it's discount it's cheaper so yeah um yeah but i, I like their stuff and they have bigger bulkier like the two-handed ones if you have a big heavy camera mm-hmm. but i just use the evo rage 3 for my sony a6 a6300 that's so cool. it's that camera right there. The oh, that's little, little nice. Little one, so.
0: <laughs> but yeah, okay, I'll ask for the link later. We can sure. probably pop it down in some description or something like that. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I, uh, back to my original point, We, uh, I use a a Flycam, uh, Red King Fly, Flycam Red King, which is an off-brand Glidecam. Yep. And so I learned, like people said, it takes a few months to learn. I was like, it can't take that long to learn. Mm-hmm. But it literally took me just o- over the summer walking around with it and playing around with it for four months before I got some pretty smooth shots. And those are things that, you know they don't teach you in the school, or you kind of just got to figure it out on your own because sure. there aren't a lot of teachers out there that do that specific type of thing. Sure. Um, well,
1: and you can learn all that online. Exactly. That, that I learned everything about editing from like because I use Premiere Pro, everything just YouTube tutorials. Like, there was a class at Simpson that I could have taken as a we. I know you guys do J term, we do May term, so okay. we do it during the month of May. You can either study abroad, you can do a class on campus, where it's one class for four hours a day, and then you're done after a month or whatever. Mm -hmm. And one of them was Adobe Premiere, like, learning how to edit, and I was like, I, no, so I went to Europe instead, and I went (laughs) on to (laughs) study abroad (laughs) instead, so I did that, and then I, when I came back, I learned how to do all editing stuff on YouTube for, like, I don't know, two months or so, and I got everything down, and then you just go out and learn, Mm -hmm. the, the kind of the hard way, but... Um, the funny thing is too, the professor that was teaching that at the time, he's in my Facebook group now and asks a ton of questions. Like I know more than he does. Oh
0: my God. How old is he? How old is
1: this guy? I mean, he's like 40 something, you know, and he moved, he's a different, at a different college now, but it's kind of funny. Like just how things come around, you know, you people that you take advice from, from a professor and not to knock on traditional college, but it's like always go to somebody that's doing what you want to do or getting the results you want and then learn from them. Right. Oh, don't always assume that like I know everything cause I don't, don't always assume that a college knows or professor knows. Like I always like to kind of quiz people on like, kind of get to know what their competencies are, right? They're going to be good at certain things and you can always learn from somebody. So.
0: And we talked about this before the cameras rolling too, about entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but it's interesting. Like if you're getting, taking an entrepreneurship class from someone that's never started a business, how, how quality is the information that you're getting? You know, it's interesting. It's super cool to be talking to you here cause you're in the business uh, and you're, you know, five years ahead of me sure. uh, and kind of getting real world knowledge about how things actually are outside instead of, you know, reading through a textbook that might be outdated or sure. you know, other sources. And
1: like by the time you get out of college, it'll all be different too. Yeah. And that's important. You got to really be on top of it. I will say though, that um, the video production, for especially in the freelance space industry will continue to boom the next probably three or four years. Um, just because every single person's realizing all at the same time, like, oh crap, we need video for anybody to pay attention to us and we have to reach people on social. We don't know how to do it. So if you can learn the technical skills on how to actually shoot and edit, but then also pair that with understanding distribution, channel strategy, marketing, you become a very, very valuable asset to anybody. So I just encourage anybody, like if you're a copywriter, if you're a photographer, if you're a videographer, like graphic designer, whatever. Right learn how to pair those skills with business skills and you will always have work no matter what. It's like the best job insurance you could have. Cause you can always leverage those business skills to maximize results for your employer for a client. You can always go off and just do those things. If you lost your job, like you have all these skill sets and like most people are petrified of the thought of losing their job. Like having these skill sets myself, I feel a lot more comfortable in the job market because I know if I were to lose my job or run out of freelance business, like I have options. So, just kind of diversifying your skill sets super important.
0: Yeah, and so what you're saying about like taking what you know, I think it's good to have like, a solid basis, uh, basic foundation of like things like rule of thirds, like how to expose a camera and how to you know shoot proper video. But then applying that to these new platforms where you got to shoot, you know, edit it to make it vertical. Sure. Like little things like that, uh, I've learned have made a big difference. And seeing things now, like photography is is great, but it's hard to tell a story through just a still image you know mm-hmm. it used to be like a picture could tell a thousand words but now a video can tell a million words yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's absolutely insane and i yeah. think um more and more people are now seeing the value of a video compared to like a still photo and to capitalize on that sure especially nowadays where anyone could take a video on their phone like i have uh, the new iphone 11 and the camera
1: on that is
0: well it's it's insane. It's yeah, insane.
1: yeah, and you can't lean on quality. That used to be everybody's barrier to entry. So when like companies like Applied Art and some other other ones started 25 years ago, no one could afford an HD camera. So if you had one, that gave you your competitive advantage. Now we have one in our pocket, so it's like a lot of times you can't lean on quality. It's got to be other things that make it different. Like I can shoot a great quality video, but that's not what makes me different. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the it's the distribution tactics, the marketing using the video to get you a result, that's the thing that I kind of lean into as being something different um, for my freelance work and stuff like that. Um, for some people, it's niching down, like we talked about. Sometimes it's lower price. You don't want to be that person, trust yeah, me, because yeah. there's always someone that will do it lower. Um, or for free. Or so for free, yeah. Kind of or like it. my favorite, like, oh, my cousin has a camera, <laughs> oh, and I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, go that's have, the worst. Go that's home. Weird. So just knowing kind of what your competitive advantage is, and if you don't have one, find like, build beef one into your what you do. So... It just really depends on it could be the service, the quality service, the experience, um, how you deliver and package the product, how your engagement is with the client, like whatever it is that you do. And before
0: I forget, where can we find you on social media and your YouTube channels?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, my name's really goofy to spell. It's R-Y-A-N and then it's Ryan Snod, S-N-A-A-D-T. But if you just look up like GoPro photography on YouTube, it's the number one video you can find me there. And then I put out a ton of free videos on my blog. It's on solovideopro.com, and there's a blog on there that you can check out, and I link all my videos up there. It's a lot easier to spell, so it's solovideopro.com. But, uh, yeah, like I said, most of the stuff on the Internet, I'm usually posting videos from my, of the clients and stuff, but I really like to educate more videographers about the business uh, side of freelancing. So that's what I try and put out a lot of. So
0: I think a lot of people my age know you know one of two things. know, you know either know the business side of things like how to – uh, do accounting problems for a business or how to kind of start one up. It's actually, it's, it's kind of crazy how easy it is to start an LLC. Like if you go to an ink file and just click, i want to start an LLC in this state. Mm-hmm. You just pay them. Like there's your business, you yep. know, after a few weeks of registration, stuff like that. But then to pair that with another subset of skills, which is, you know, I'm good at editing. I'm good at shooting video. But how do I turn this into a career? It's, um, I think it's super cool that people can do that. And I think not a lot of people think that they can turn their hobby into something that they can do full-time or right. maybe they're afraid of it you know right there's a lot of uh, variables
1: yeah and I think that's that's one of the big things that pushed me to start the channel and start the course um, was that everybody kept asking me like how are you landing gigs like what do you say to to sell a client how do you market yourself um, all these quite like how to email people and be professional like everyone's just really good at the task of like exposure and right. knowing what camera to buy and all the technical stuff but they don't know how to run a business so for me, that was the really big driver of starting Solo Video Pro, and now, you know, I started out with 20 lessons, and then I talked to all my students and said, what what else was missing, and we kind of built it out from there, so now it's like over, over 60 lessons of how to start, sell, market, scale your business, how to get into <clears throat> certain industries, mm-hmm. how to grow effectively, how to run ads for your clients and do the distribution and all that type of stuff, so, um, and I think it's super interesting how online education will rival colleges, because now... Instead of going to college for four years, if you just want to learn how to start your own videography business, you could take my course mm-hmm. and avoid it every all yeah. of the four years if you wanted to. There's options for that now. You have the choice to do something like that. So it's super interesting. Like There's options for people now.
0: It's weird because like I just started my first business classes this semester, uh, but I've been doing business type stuff for the past few months now. And so comparing, you know, like we learned about elevator pitches and like way to present yourself and these types of things. When the real world, I've... I don't know what your experience has been like going freelancing, but I kind of, at least in this stage of my life, I've been very uh, uh, humble in a way and be like, okay, I don't know a lot of things. I'm willing to do this for a lower price and kind of just being human, like a human-to-human human conversation sure. when we talk to clients. Um, that's worked out pretty well. Uh, people haven't, the, the thing I always think about is like, if I'm being taken advantage of versus how much value I'm giving them. And so that's kind of. And you are, you yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking yeah. about
1: doing something through for 20 bucks, 40 bucks, like, and you're just starting out like that's mm. going to happen. But when you get to a certain level where like your quality is good enough and I can, I can be yeah. your barometer if you want, like send me a video and I'll tell you like, this is complete crap or like, right. You should charge more for this. Um, Once you under like get past that, you're in your own way. Cause a lot of people don't price what they're worth. Um, I remember when I threw my first video project as a freelancer for like over $10,000 and I like had, crap running out of my leg as I sent the email. But then I got outbid and they went with another person that was double that price. So it price is relative. You just have to understand the client and like what is on the line for them. So, um, yeah, it's, and it's super interesting. Like, like I said, I've bid out projects for work that are $200,000 plus it just some stuff. It's 500 bucks Some it's 200,000. Like you just have to know what that, and it's, it's a kind of an interesting thing to learn and understand like what, what the value is to people. So In
0: a way, it's it's kind of the fun of it that there's not one specific way to to do it. Mm. I mean, it's kind of a new problem, new client every single time, a new solution every time. And you sure. really have to understand what they want and what they need uh, in order to be the best fit for what they want. If you're not the best fit, then sometimes, you know, you lose a job or uh, it just wasn't meant to be. You know? Sure. I kind of think about that that way and that's what keeps me positive. It's that like, well, we'll if it fell through, it wasn't meant to be. You know, I, I was reached out to on LinkedIn by, um, is it, it was a magazine company or like a makeup company? But they're like, okay, we want you to shoot four tutorial videos of this hairstylist doing hair stuff. Uh, it'll be five thousand dollars total. I was like, oh my god, I've never done anything above one hundred twenty-five before, so this is big. Uh, and so they're based in New York. I said, hey, is it you know? Ch- do I need to fly to New York, or will you send your talent here? Uh, And then they never responded. Okay. Uh, They said, you know, send us your payment information, your name. I sent them that, but then I'm ghosted. And I assumed that they wanted it by like uh, early February or something. It's kind of getting past that. And that's about, uh, it's February 24th as of the time of recording this. So the timeline of that being filmed has kind of come and gone. And so it's essentially a done deal. But I think, you know, it was meant to be, it was meant to be, I was kind of, I banked on that $5,000 to pay for a lot of things. So I think, it made me complacent in a way to think and to know that that funding would have been there. So now I guess I'm just working really hard to kind of supplement that missed opportunity.
1: Sure. Yeah. And and to kind of fill you in, like what I do to avoid that is never, you've never closed a deal and I always have deposit up front no matter what. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't do anything under a certain dollar amount. So most of the time they need to pay up front for whatever. Um, And I always assume somebody, somebody's just a talker until they've, they show they want to work with you with their wallet. So um, I always have a contract agreement in place. I have an invoice for the initial deposit. I don't start working until that's paid because um, then if they do ghost you, you've at least gotten that first payment. So um, it's just a good backup to have. So learn learn from that mm-hmm. and apply it and don't because then, you know, you get the five grand and then you're working on it for three months. They get your their video and you don't hear from them. Right. And it's like, are you going to take them to court? Like, no. And right. it's, it's the hard, that's the hard truth of it. So always do the deposit, do a contract if you can, no matter what you're doing. That's what I always recommend to people. Yeah. So. And it was so
0: weird because they said, okay, we'll give 2,500 up front. And then after the product's delivered, it'll be 2,500. Yep. But probably, uh, because of location or some other reason, you know, you never know. You never know. Sure. It's, it's a weird feeling, but you know, it's a learning experience. Sure. Learning Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's. Nice. What what kind of experiences have you had when you were just starting off in terms of, uh, like problems that you had to solve or just you know maybe some special circumstances or things you might have experienced that other people haven't experienced? You know, if that's a thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I would probably <clears throat> I would probably say it's more like getting past the you're just some dumb college kid. When I first started out, that was kind of the not people didn't say that, but it was like. Um, the assumption. And then you, if you throw a price, that's like higher than $200 people would like, well, you're just in college, like whatever. Um, but there's some people too. And, um, one of your alumni, Sam Vitale, if you haven't seen his stuff, I met him when we were both in college. Great example of that. Like he was, he was winning projects from large agencies as a freelancer because his quality was so good. His storytelling, the narrative, like he put emotion in what he was doing and that was his differentiator. It was like, everything's like a documentary. And he was charging like top level stuff, doing great work, um, and standing out. It wasn't like the fact that he was 22 years old did not matter. Like, right. people want that result. So, I would say, like, let your work speak for itself. Um, know the value of your work in the marketplace. Like, if you see other people's stuff, um, join Facebook groups, like, ask them, yeah, what did you charge for something like this? And usually, people are pretty open with that stuff, or like, what would you bid this at? And almost always, it's going to be higher than what you bid it at. Yeah, so, I yeah. um, I would say doing that, which is super important, and then just like being okay, like not worrying about money when you first start out, and if you can do it financially, like shoot a bunch of stuff for free, find the niche that you like and the stuff that you enjoy shooting, something that like you're overly happy to shoot and edit into the night because you're like this is so much fun. So yeah. um, I would say that's a big thing too because people will like just try and go where they see other people shooting, different industries, different niches, and they don't really find like what makes them happy, so.
0: I think it's interesting that, you know, I've, I've tried a lot of things in my life. I've done, I've done ballet, I've done the musical theater, I've done, you know, science, and and I've dipped my toes in a lot of things, and I think this sticks to me. It's because, you know, that experience does happen. I'll be working on a project that I really love to work on, and I'll get into that flow state where I'll be starting at... There, I was working on a project in, in high school my senior year where I was editing uh, at noon that day, and school ended at two fifty. And I stayed there till midnight and I got back home uh, and ended till five in the morning uh, that day just because I was learning after effects. It was super fun. And my mom like brought me lunch when I was still in the broadcast room at school, editing mm-hmm. away. And even nowadays I'll be doing something, you know, for free. But I'll be like, This is such a cool project. Like I get to direct the talent here, I get to kind of just make it my vision Great. and I love doing it. And I'm not getting paid for it, but, you know, I'm proud of this work. And it's like, you know, you named your company after your name because, you know, do you like the responsibility of having your name be attached to the project? Or what was the reason for that?
1: Yeah, I I went back and forth on the name if I was going to name it something obscure. The thing was, when I first named my business, I wasn't niched down. Some people, if you're, like, just doing weddings, you could do, like, forever I do films or something. And it's very, like, okay, but you're siloed, right? So I... I kind of looked at the trajectory of my business where I wanted it to be. Eventually, I'd like to have employees and contractors that help me shoot and edit and run my books and do like other stuff. So I named it Snod Media Group because it's not just video. I do other stuff like strategy and stuff like that. And the group piece of it is that I'd like to have employees eventually. So I kind of named it for the future that I can grow into the name. So um, in hindsight, I probably should have named it something else because no one can pronounce my name. But it's just, again, it's kind of that that fun factor, people were like, "Oh, how do you pronounce it?" And it's like it's snod, it rhymes with odd, so it just kind of like sticks in people's mind. Yeah, so. and I've
0: seen like in your bio a bunch of your videos. The way you uh, introduce yourself is, "I'm Ryan Snod, it rhymes with odd," and Always. it sticks to your head. You know, like I used to say, "I'm Lewis from St. Louis," and people, are, oh, like that's it's fun, it's memorable. I can't say that now because I live in California, right? Which is sad, but it's the, the same idea where it's something that's catchy and it sticks. Sure. And it's like okay, and it also helps with the pronunciation with your with your last name, right? which I'm sure is pleasing.
1: Sure. Yeah. Just, it, it's like people always avoid it. So I just address the elephant in the room. <laughs> like it's hard to pronounce, but that's, it's Ryan's not it rhymes. Thought and just kind of like clicks in people's minds. So, um, and for me it's, it's worked out like the naming of it and everything. I think people focus too much on the branding and the logos and like what branding is to people. But really it's like, how do the people engage with your business? Mm-hmm. And, um, when I'm helping small businesses shoot freelance stuff, like they're supporting my business, I support theirs. And I get to kind of like tell that story and it's super cliche, like you're telling your storyteller or whatever, but it is kind of nice to, to show other people how businesses that I support and enjoy, how they were started, right. the storylines, the testimonials, the people that make that business go. So, and one um, thing
0: I've been doing in my, like, cause I've just kind of known how to do it was like a, like a who you are type video with businesses. And right. cause it's, you get testimonials, like you get some nice B roll and put some nice music underneath it. And like that's been easier for me because I've had a background in doing videos like that in broadcast school and now I've been applying you know, different skills to these businesses. But it's really nice to kind of get an insight on like who these people are and like why you should support them. And then, you know, they're supporting you by letting you do this video for them. It's 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 a win-win situation, I think. And Absolutely. It's really down to earth, I think, when you work with people on that level because you're helping them, they're helping you and everyone wins in the end. For sure. Um, but it's... With your... With your
1: media group then, uh, was that f- five years ago, right? Yep, started started when I was in college and I just operated as like Ryan Snod Productions mm-hmm. just as like a sole proprietor for a while. Yeah. And then I started making more and I talked to a tax attorney and I was like, "Is like, what do I need to do? And like, you should probably build an LLC. Yeah. Um, and it's not for everybody to do an LLC, just in the state of Iowa and the income bracket I was at, it made sense for me because mm-hmm. um, there are tax advantages to having different formations too. So some people can do an S-Corp, some people can do you know, there's so many different ways you can do it. For the most part, an LLC is just another good layer of protection. Yeah, and then you can separate your finances, so you if don't
0: if you, you'll get like sued to hell. If
1: yeah, something yeah, happens. You, somebody trips on a light stand or something, like it doesn't provide unlimited protection, but it's just a barrier between you know if, if you're working and that happens, they can come after your business and not you. Right. Separate your assets a little bit, so yeah. it's kind of nice. Um, and then just for tracking expenses, you can have a separate business account. Everything's tracked through a different bank. It just keeps everything very clean, very separated. So you have a
0: CPA then? Or I do,
1: yeah. I, I work with a firm um, in Johnston, so they run all my books, and then I do all my accounting through QuickBooks, so I have to reconcile everything myself, but then they give me quarterly p and so profit and loss, mm-hmm. all the boring stuff nobody yeah, wants to talk exactly. about. I hate finances, but it's super important, so I, that's the first thing I hired out was the CPA piece of it because I was wasting so much time doing the things that I didn't like, so I always recommend to people if you're starting a business, like find build out your process from like when somebody reaches out to you to when you deliver your final product, put all the tasks that it takes to have that happen, find the things you hate doing, automate it or hire it out and just your life will be so much easier. So I've automated my process where a lot of my inquiries are on my site. There's a questionnaire. Like I don't even talk to someone unless they're qualified or they fit those criteria or I recommend them to somebody else. Um, if people, the contracts are automated, the everything's, um, that one's died. Um, the contracts are automated. Everything's like going the way it's supposed to. And then, you know, there's follow-up emails and stuff. Just everything's taken care of that I'm focusing most of my time and attention on scripting, shooting, and editing. Because those are the three things that take my time to do it. And those are so.
0: things that you're best at doing too.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. And then eventually, like, editing takes a lot of time. So down the road, that's a bottleneck. I would look at hiring out remote editors or people that I could hand footage off to that know my style. And I'd, I'd pay them for that. And then they can handle that for me. So... That's fantastic.
0: I really agree with the idea about just doing what you love to do and then making other people do, or not making, but just hiring out your weaknesses.
1: Right, right. And that, with a lot of my core students too, a lot of them are in that struggle. It's like, well, I'm getting consistent work, but I'm spending 50% of my time on admin tasks like emails or contracts or trying to file taxes and stuff. Like, I don't want to do that. How do I avoid that and get back to doing the stuff I like to do. So I like to just help people with that as much as I can. So
0: that's great. I love it. And we're at about an hour right now. Sure. And so uh, it's been really great having you on the podcast. I hope to see you hear from you soon and just talk about stuff. We're both in Des Moines area, which is great. Uh, But it's been great getting to know you and see you around. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.